0: Yes, good morning again, Grace and Mercy Church. Um, I ask you all to please join me in saying our prayer before we study our Bible text this morning. Um, our prayer is found on the front of your hymnal, uh, your songbook, if you like to call it that. It says, Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with the whole heart. As we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments, let our life be found in Christ." led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Amen. Now, I have to admit, the more I spend time reading and studying the book of Ecclesiastes, I find there are many nuggets of wisdom in here which cause me to reflect, examine my heart, and talk with God about them. And I hope it's been that way for you all as well. Um, The scripture we're studying today has been on my mind often this week. After reading through it several times, I've asked myself these questions. What are you working so hard for? What are you striving after? And what is your motivation to bring your best? To be honest, I've asked myself these same questions before reading Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 4-8. through Yet, after reading over this passage, I find it difficult to resist asking myself, what is my core motivation? So this morning we're going to talk about three things the author of this book observed under the sun in this section. And for my my PowerPoint presentation, I have a little piece of paper for you all with the two uh, Bible verses that uh, Bible versions that I'm going to read here. The first one is the ESV. It says, then I saw that all toil and all skill and work came from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving at the wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls. I'm sorry, two hands full of toil and striving at the wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother. Yet there is no one. There's no end to all his toil and his eyes are never satisfied with riches so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and unhappy business. And the next version. Next, I realize that all effort and achievement stem from one person's envy of another. This too is futility and feeding on wind. Fools fold their arms together and eat their own flesh away. Better an armload of tranquility then both arms full of effort in feeding on wind. Then I, I turned my attention to something else under the sun that is pointless. The situation in which a solitary individual without a companion, with neither son nor brother, keeps on working endlessly, but never has enough wealth. For whom, he should ask, am I working so hard and denying myself pleasure? This, too, is truly pointless, a sorry business. That's the uh, complete Jewish Bible. The first observation is found in verse 4. Then I saw that all toil and skill and all skill in work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving at the wind. One of the things our author notices is that a person can work tirelessly to accomplish something good for others, or they can be the type of person that seeks to bring their best and do their best in everything they do, yet they can seek to treat people with respect, but another person will be envious of what they do or who they are. Instead of receiving honor and thanks for being hardworking or a good example, which he or she deserves, the person is met with nothing but envy. See, envy as defined by Merriam-Webster is painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. You see, envy is why Cain killed his brother Abel in Genesis. Why would someone envy you or me? The only answer I can give you is sin. Sin causes us as human beings to do some horrible things to one another, think mean things about one another, speak ill of one another, or just be plain mean. Envy causes people to see something good someone else has, speak ill or think ill of it, because they want it themselves, but they don't want to try for it. People get envious about another person getting the Student of the Month award. People envy others for getting a promotion at work. People envy others for for having a positive attitude. People even envy others for being laid back. People envy others because of certain types of cars, houses, pets, clothes, hairstyles, skin color, you name it, people can be envious of people for anything. See, I thought when, when I give my best and I ask God to bless what I'm doing and what I'm leading, And that when I treat other people well, that others will see it and get excited as well. But that thought isn't true. Some people will hate what I do just because they're not the ones doing it or getting the credit for it. But envy can also motivate individuals to do things for the wrong reasons. It can cause us to work hard at our job, write the best sermon, learn to play an instrument or whatever for the sole purpose to do it better than someone else. Envy can cause me to strive to have what someone else doesn't have. More money, more friends, more likes, more cars for my kids to behave better than somebody else's kids in public, you name it. If we're not careful, we can fall into the negative trap of competition. We work so hard at being better than someone else at something to beat them out. And I don't think competition is bad. I actually love competition. I love sports. I'm a basketball guy. I love playing it. I love coaching it. love watching it. But when we try to compete with our brother, brothers and sisters in Christ by trying to outdo them, that can become the problem. See, we are one body in Christ as believers, and we each have gifts that God has given each of us to glorify him with. And when we use them to bring him glory, that's a good thing. But when we use them to try to outperform somebody else, outthink somebody else, or to try to get what somebody else has. Oh, I, I love the fact that they speak in tongues all the time. I want that gift. Oh, they shouldn't have that. That's very, that's envious. You may not have that gift. But God may give you the gift of service, and we need to use those things really well to God's glory. Amen. So what motivates you to work hard and to be the person that you are? The next observation is the fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after wind. See, the fool chooses idleness as their way of living. They are so envious of what someone else has, what they don't have, that they become so idle. And they just sit and complain. And what happens is, instead of using their God-given abilities to be industrious, creative, diligent, and good, the fool wastes away all his or her talents and resources to sit and be angry. See when you are envious of others and complain about what they're doing it causes one to lose hope in the God-given abilities that we have inside. Have you ever noticed how you begin to feel when you grumble and complain about what someone else has? Have any of you ever done that? I think about that sometimes. I'm a thinker. How do you like how do you feel after telling yourself you can't do something or you're like I'm not good at this. I shouldn't even try. You begin to feel kind of like hopeless inside. To be honest with me, when I feel overwhelmed about something, I become idle out of fear. You know, fear causes me not to talk to God about it, to believe in myself, talk with others about the issue. And I lose hope in the thing that the thing will work out. But when I admit that I'm afraid, when I admit that I need help, it's amazing how... I began to feel motivated to take one step towards finding a solution. Sometimes we can make ourselves idle out of fear of failure or of doubt. See, the fool finally comes to his or her senses and realizes that it's better to have peace in one hand versus having toil and complaining in two hands. It's better to be grateful than to be grumpy. I kind of like that statement. I should probably get a T-shirt that says, it's better to be grateful than to be grumpy. (laughs) When we have a heart filled with gratitude, our hearts and our minds aren't weighed down by envy, hatred, complaining, or worry. Deciding to rest in the grace of God is a great place to be in. What do you think? Is it a good place to be in? God's peace and grace or to be in complaint and grumbling. Then the author observes one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil and his eyes are never satisfied with riches so that he never asks for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure. See, this person is alone with no one to care for with no one to care for them and doesn't have anyone to leave their estate with when they die see this person is working really really hard to accumulate good things for themselves and his and her eyes are never satisfied the statement his eyes are never satisfied reminds me of what john talks about in first john chapter 2 verse 15 through 17 if you have your phones or your Bible, you can turn there. He writes in first John chapter two, verse fifteen through seventeen. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. This person is living in covetedness. Covetedness is an insatiable desire to find fulfillment, meaning, and purpose in things instead of God. So this person's a hedonist, seeking the pleasure of money, ambition, control, or social status to fulfill them. This person figures. There's no one for them to care for, no one to care for them. So they just need to work really hard of taking good care of themselves, of storing up treasures for themselves, storing up um, whatever they want for themselves. They choose to pursue things versus God. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21 shares a similar story about accumulating things. Jesus says this. He says, it says that someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. You guys remember this story? Sound familiar? But Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. Drink and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Those two kind of sound pretty familiar, don't they? Working really hard to satisfy themselves. But God's going to, going to, talk to that person one of these days and God's going to check our motives and say, hey, look. And God calls him a fool. Jesus said we should never call somebody a fool. He didn't say God couldn't. So God calling you a fool, that's a problem. And I think you need to listen. What things are you chasing to satisfy See, as believers, it's a good thing for us to reevaluate the reasons why we work hard strive to bring our best, and or support a cause. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to shine his light on the corners of our heart, our mind, and our actions to show us our true motive. Are we seeking things? Are we seeking applause? Are we seeking recognition, money to give us pleasure? Our pleasure needs to come from obeying our Heavenly Father and seeking first his kingdom. So I asked myself, like, what can I take away from this this passage? And um, the song by Trip Lee came to mind, and he said, We need self examination, man. And may I suggest we should consider taking time to sit before God to ask Him to examine our hearts? We need the Holy Spirit, like I mentioned, to shine a light on our motives. The words we say to ourselves and the words we say to others reveal what is in our hearts. Our actions towards others and ourselves also reflect what's in our heart. And the only one who can change our heart and our actions is Jesus. Let's be humble and wise to sit with Jesus regularly, to have our hearts washed over by his words. Have our hearts washed over and changed by his presence. Because in his presence, his light will shine because Jesus is light. We need to spend time storing up treasure in heaven. You know, may our best efforts, our motives, passions, desires, and our energy go towards pleasing our Heavenly Father. We're not seeking to please him by doing work for him. We're seeking to please him by simply acknowledging his presence in our lives. Acknowledging that he is the one that we receive all good things from. And when bad things happen, too, we thank God for them because he's with us. I'm reminded that Jesus said that in this life you will have trouble. I'm like, wait, really? And he said, yeah, but take heart because I've overcome the world and that Jesus is with us. So let's thank him for giving us the ability and the will to do what we do each day. You know, I have to ask myself the question each day, why do I serve children on Casino Road? Why do I do Bible Club? Why do I do homework club? And evaluate, examine my heart. Because if my heart is to get props and praise in the community, then that's the wrong thing to do. And and I don't even like being interviewed. (laughs) And I pray that I don't ever like to be interviewed. Uh, Because then I might get pride. I've done some interviews, but, but if that's my motivation, and that's that's the negative way to go about things. See, our minds and hearts must seek to glorify God in whatever we do. Our work, our play, our relaxation, adventuring, serving others, whatever it can be. We can, we can praise God and please him while we're relaxing. Like, relaxing is not a problem. And if you notice, in these three incidents, these cats, these three people never took time to just to be grateful or to just enjoy enjoy the gifts the skills that God gave them so when our heart is centered on God our actions will display God's presence in our lives people may see our good works and complain people may see our good works and give us positive compliments but it doesn't matter what they think or say what matters is us obeying our Heavenly Father and doing what He has called us to do. Amen. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge the fact that You are the one true God and we acknowledge the fact that every good and perfect gift comes from You. We acknowledge, God, that even in hard times, You are with us and You promise that You will be with us and You will never leave us. So we thank You for that, God. And so, Father, may we continually surrender our hearts and our desires to you. May we continually have you shine a light on our motives and reevaluate our motives, Lord, and that your spirit will point us into the right direction. And we thank you for the fact that you give us grace, and we thank you for the fact that uh, you fight for us in that when we have haters behind us or around us, Lord, help us to remember that you're the ones that vindicate us and that we don't need to seek revenge for ourselves. So may we trust in you, believe in you, depend on you and find our satisfaction in you. In Jesus name. Amen.